Hi, and welcome to uh, From Many People's Strength, the podcast that covers Saskatchewan politics and current events. Uh, um, I'm Corey Johnston, and my pronouns are he and him. I am David Richards. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, or they, them. And I, I kind of like the last several weeks, we've been doing a lot of the you know, okay, there's a, it's a full week this week and lots, lots of stories. <laughs> <laughs> this week, it almost feels like it isn't. Like this week, like all I think there's, I think there actually is just as much stuff going on where <laughs> it just feels different. Like it feels like there's less. Um, I don't yeah, know yeah. if that's just, uh, um, uh, I guess one of the stories we have to talk about is the whole COVID fact, COVID fatigue thing. So maybe it is just COVID fatigue. Like, it kind of feels like what's been going on is what's been going on. It's sort of a lot more of the same. Um, <laughs> yeah. I guess the vaccine news is is exciting yeah, and yeah. new, and developments there are great. Um, so, what uh, what what path of adventure should we stroll down <laughs> to begin with today? Well, I think uh, the first thing that I thought we could cover was. Uh, this uh, Scott Mole uh, responding to the racist comments about yes. uh, Dr. Shahab. Yeah. Good so for that him. Was a, that was a good <laughs> surprise. <laughs> yes. Good for him. Like, yeah. it's the bare minimum, but he's doing it. <laughs> it's so, more than we expected. <laughs> well, it's more than we expected. So we'll, we'll take that as a win, right? Yep. Um, yeah. Like, it's it's a sign that it's 2020 that don't be racist might be controversial. Um, not that we're not that we weren't just as racist 10 years ago. I think it was just less polite to be openly. Yeah. So, and I think, I, I think there's a certain degree of um, it's, it's, you know, not calling out um, those, that type of blatant racism has become uh, more palatable now. So it's good that there's some pushback. Um, yeah. Maybe we're, maybe, my my heart is optimistic, and maybe it's the beginning of the pendulum swinging back the other direction. Yeah. <laughs> Just thinking about this now as, as I'm talking about it, though, um, to some extent, it feeds into what I talked about in in last podcast about how my optimism is born from cynicism, and that I have faith in human selfishness. Um, like it's in Mo's best interest for his chief medical officer to not be attacked. Like yes, this is, that's right. this is his guy. And like, that's what I talked about last week, right? Like, um, and I, I think I referred to him as a cabinet minister and, I, and uh, Dr. Shahab is not a cabinet minister. He's a you know, chief medical officer. Uh, it's not part of cabinet. Um, so that was my mistake in, in how I referred to him. But um, I, it's one of those like, he's still, he's still Mo's guy. So for people to be attacking him, it is like goes against Mo's best interest. So like yeah. I have faith in human selfishness as we, as we become more <laughs> interlinked as our well being is more tied into the well being of others. Um, we start viewing them as people. So <laughs> Scott yeah, Mo right. sees Dr. Shahab as a people. Um, so good for Mo. <laughs> that's, that's growth. Um, and I, I'm, I'm being facetious. I, I don't know <laughs> Mo's background in that, in that regards. I can, I can see the policies and actions of the party that chose him as leader and what those actions have been right. over the last decade. And, and it gives me certain indications, but, um, yeah, no, I think that's a, it's a positive thing. And then, you know, I, I 
It wasn't. It wasn't a shitty apology. <laughs> to no, be that's blind. right. Like yeah. it was the like I he I'm, I'm reading a quote right now. He says, "I'm embarrassed. I'm actually very embarrassed that anyone from this pom- province would make such disgusting comments. I find it sickening, and I know many other people in the province uh, do. And like that's that's not apology. Um, but like that's like I guess I don't know if he apologized because it's not his actions to apologize for. But like right. he didn't pull punches there. He didn't come out and like. I think I, I talked about that. I, I've talked about this a number of times. I won't go into the de- description, but that 905 effect, right? The the suburban um, conservatives who want to be able to vote conservative without feeling guilty about it. He probably could have satisfied their requirements by coming out and saying, "We believe." Um, you know, racism is bad. Dr. Shahab is great. Um, right. anyone who says otherwise, um, you know, obviously doesn't know him or, you know, any, if anyone were to impugn his character, that would be bad. Like do put a lot of those, if anyone did this type of thing, um, type statements. And I think that probably would have satisfied, um, those of his supporters who, who don't want to be considered racist. Right. Um, and he went beyond that. And so like yeah. good on him. Like I said, my bare minimum, but <laughs> yeah. like he's he's criticizing those who realistically are his own supporters or, or could be his own base. Um, so we'll we'll Although, see if he gets <laughs> it. We'll see if he gets backlash from that. If now the if if it just pushes more people to the Buffalo Party, or you could you could also see the the other version of the backlash, which is. Um, you sometimes have the, these groups will be like, oh, well, he just has to say that. Yeah. Yeah. For, because, because he has to be politically correct, but nudge, nudge, wink, wink, he actually supports us. Um, right. which he, maybe is true. I don't know. Um, but no, I, again, I thought, um, I thought he, I thought he all in, all in all said the right things. Um, wonder, I was thinking, uh, in his calculus. <laughs> yeah to make this decision to uh, condemn this statement or not. Does the fact that sometimes these anti-mask people, uh, they have mo like anti mo signs. Yeah. Uh, you know, does that play into it? Like, is he more willing perhaps because these aren't his people anyway? They're not his base per se. Yeah. Maybe. Um, I think, I think they're his natural base. So the fact that they're not voting for him, <laughs> maybe uh maybe of concern anyways so maybe right. i'm giving him too much credit maybe like the whole idea of political calculus behind this and, um i don't see scott mo and i maybe maybe this is a crafted image but i don't see mo having the same level of calculatingness that a harper right. or <laughs> brad wall had um and maybe he does, and it's, it's all behind the scenes stuff. And he's he is he's secretly the brilliant political tactician. Um, he's, <laughs> he's, he won the leadership after all, right? Yeah. Um, I'm baffled by by how you know some of his scandals from the past haven't harmed him. So People, maybe he's maybe he's a political genius, and we don't yeah, see it. But it's like uh, like Boris Johnson. Like people have mm-hmm. said, like his doofus persona. Is exactly yeah. that. It's a persona, well, yeah, right? George W. Bush, there was the same, the, the same yeah. sort of theory about him, too. Um, and I think to some extent, part of it is humans are complex, right? Um, like, we, we, we have the, this thing where, like, 
we want to view these people as monsters. And um, one of the most misogynist, homophobic, racist people I knew um, would be the first person at the drop of a hat to get up at 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning to go help a friend move. Right, Um, yeah. And and it's – you see this all the time when – Again, diverging off topic, but I guess that's what we do. Um, (laughs) The the Saskatchewan story is the springboard. Um, You see it all the time where men have trouble viewing their friends as um, sexual predators or rapists or, you know, sexual assault perpetrators when victims come forward because there's that cognitive dissonance of the world is full of good guys and bad guys. There is no gray area. Um, this is obviously a, this is obviously a good guy, right? He helped me move. When I helped him move, he bought me beer and pizza. Um, when my, you know, dad passed away, he and I went to a baseball game together and, you know, we were, you know, we, he was helped me get through a really rough time. And like, you have these stories, uh, and this image that we create of, of people, um, and the other side of it happens too, where um, uh, where we see we have someone who who is the villain in our minds. Um, mm. You know, this was someone who um, cheated on us, or um, embarrassed us um, in front of our friends, or was a uh, was a high school bully, um, and now is also doing wonderful things with charity and fighting right. for black lives matter and is an avid feminist. <laughs> like you, you, yeah. you, you, you can have some of these disconnects and it, like the good doesn't excuse the bad and the bad right. doesn't necessarily negate the good. Um, I think you need to weigh things. Um, obviously we've talked about some of things from Mo's past where, you know, it far outweighs. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, like you say, like everybody's complex, right? I'm not yeah. going to give Mo a a ton of credit. No. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. But but uh yeah, I mean he did well here and possibly at risk of losing some of his voters. Uh, yeah. Possibly who knows. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that that makes a lot of sense. Where do we want to go from here? The vaccine? Yeah, we can talk about vaccine. So Saskatchewan is due to receive 1,900 or already received 1,950 vaccines because this yeah. article came out a few days ago. Um, yeah. And uh, I've seen many uh, like healthcare workers have yeah. been vaccinated. Some, I believe some elderly folks. Uh, but uh, yeah, I got a message from Uber saying that they are trying to advocate on my behalf <laughs> saying that frontline workers, Uber drivers are frontline workers. <laughs> to be fair. Yep. <laughs> like uh, maybe not as urgent as, as healthcare workers, but yeah, like I got a, like, like Uber's a, like Uber has the potential to become a super spreader very fast. Right. Well, like yeah, if yeah. you, if you get it, the ability to transfer it onto your passengers is up there. 
Like again, oh, yeah. maybe not the same level as healthcare, but and I trust you. Like I know you. Right. But I also I also think like I don't know if what level of disinfecting Uber drivers are doing. Um, yeah, we're supposed to be doing it. Uh, like they say, when we start up our app, um, there's four things you have to sit check off. Uh, the first one is you have to be uh, feeling fine. You don't have any symptoms. Right. The second one is you're wearing a mask. It will actually make you take a picture a picture of yourself wearing a mask before. Okay, it'll good. Start. All right, perfect. And then uh, and then you have to disinfect. It says I disinfected my car today. So in theory, if you didn't yeah. turn your app off, then you wouldn't have to do it more than once. Uh, but if you take a break of like more than an hour, then it makes you go through the steps again. Mm. So, so you don't have to <laughs> disinfect between each passenger. There's nothing there that says you have uh, to. Uh, all right then. Well, no Uber <laughs> for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. had a passenger and, I, I, yeah. and, and, and we discussed whether or not that seemed feasible. And I was like, yeah, but feasible or not, like you kind of got to make sure that everybody's safe. Like this is the, kind of the point, right? Right. So <laughs> I'm not going to ask if you do, I'm just going <laughs> to, Oh yeah. No, I, I, uh, I have like many, many things of uh, wipes and I have like sprays that I spray all over the car. <laughs> is it, and it's, and I've said this before, it's impossible to block every single vector. Oh yeah. Um, it's, it, you know, it definitely is about slowing things down. So, um, yeah, like it, it's positive. <laughs> like it, it's, you know, we're getting there. Let's see how many, let's see how many people refuse to get, like, if you have that two, the two sides of every, you have this side where people are like actively fighting to get this thing and then, Absolutely refusing to have it, even if, you know, yeah. it was easily accessible. So we'll see, we'll see where things go. Um, I, uh, kind of fall in the middle. I know I'm not a priority. I'm, I don't see humans uh, other than my <laughs> right. own children and my ex. Yeah. Um, that's about it for me. So, and uh, I'm not in a hot, like technically, I mean, I'm in a frontline position where I'm at right. risk of transmission, but I'm not in, at risk of severe complication mm-hmm. compared to some other people. So yeah, I'm young enough too. So. I think. I think 44 is fine. <laughs> yeah. I think we're okay. <laughs> yeah. But again, like as soon as, as soon as it's available to the public, yeah, I'll yeah. be in that lineup, right? Like, um, six foot spaced lineup. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I just, I said being a lineup. I'm like, Oh, the thought of lineups now is awful. <laughs> this breaks my brain thinking about being in a large group. <laughs> I go to, uh, like, Again, I think I've talked about this before, going to the Cornwall Center for pickups. Yeah. And the other day, it was like the lineups outside of the stores. It's so bad. <laughs> like, yeah. And, of course, nobody follows the arrows. Like, <laughs> you might as well not have them. Yeah, I don't get it. I, I'm like rabid about the arrows when I go to the grocery store, like that's the only store I really go to at this point is the grocery store. Um, but I'm like, no, no, we ha- like, if there's something in the, aisle, like, no, I'll walk all the way up one aisle in order to go back down the other, even if it means <laughs> yeah. a full trip around. Um, this is a tiny pet peeve. They have some that are designed. You can you literally cannot do it. Like whoever did the, <laughs> the walk flow of this, um, 
I don't. I, it just <laughs> no. They went, like you have you have the zigzags back and forth along the sides, but like and then both on either side of it. Like this is in the produce section or the the, the bakery section rather. Uh, or no, bakery and produce both go the same way. So like these on the sides, they're both going this way, and then it goes <laughs> weaves weaves like this in that same direction. But then it's like, but if you do want to go from the back of the store <laughs> to the front of the store, there's there's literally no way of doing that. <laughs> yeah. like, no, no. Once you've passed the oranges, you can never get the oranges again. <laughs> you can never go back. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way of getting back there. I'm like, this, someone's designed this poorly. There's a couple sections in the grocery store I go to that are like that. I'm like, no, yeah. this doesn't seem right. <laughs> yeah. The Walmart produce section is particularly bad in the yeah. East End here, so. <laughs> what was that? There's that um, logic puzzle, like the the bridges of Leipzig or something like that. Um, <laughs> I think I have the city name wrong, but yeah, it's it's like there's this map of a city with the various bridges, and it's in, it is impossible to cross every bridge only once. Um, it's, I kind of feel that way about the grocery store setups. Yeah, that's there's my right. obscure analogy for the day. That's probably there I think that go. is definitely the most obscure analogy I've used on this podcast. Yeah. Not sure how many people are going to get it. But. Yeah, but you know, there's some there's some math uh, scholar listening in. It's like, oh yes, bridges of Leipzig puzzle. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also going. That's not the city. It was a different city, Dave. Don't, dear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Uh, All right. Yeah. What else? Uh, sticking with Sask- Saskatchewan, uh, I guess we could go uh, Charlie Clark's response to the anti-mask. Cap. Yeah. Good for him. <laughs> so, this was nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, it's the... I don't want to say it's it's a bare expectation, but I kind of think it's the base expectation. Well, yeah. Um like give your head a shake. Yeah, that's the appropriate that's the appropriate response. Um Yeah, that's that's the politician version of what the fuck is wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um so, so I Yeah, I, I don't know what more to say. Like he said the right thing. Um yep. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I I think at this point, like, I'm not sure if you're going to l- lose. I think we've now reached that point in public discourse where you can tell people to go fuck themselves, and you're probably fine. Because <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's right. Because um, those who disagree with you politically are going to get the vapors. Um, oh my, like, and those who are on your side are going to go, no, he's just telling it like it is. And I think that's on both sides yeah. to some extent. Um, yeah. Again, I see well, it. I mean, I see it more again um, from the right. <laughs> and again, maybe this is that, that echo chamber. Um, like I, I see um, what I see from the left is them, uh, more so pointing out the hypocrisy of these right-wing politicians who lose their mind over some, I don't know, hot mic accidental swearing that a, a centrist 
um, politician says, you know, yeah. they, you know, some point off camera on a hot mic that he didn't know was turned on, Barack Obama accidentally says fuck. And he's now <laughs> yeah. unworthy of the office of the president. Yeah. But Trump intentionally swearing in front of children and cameras. Yeah, that's no big deal. He's just telling and, it like it is. Yeah, while he's I, making I, fun I, of somebody of another race uh, yeah. ability, you know. <laughs> like I so, think I think I, I think if you know, I think there's going to be some people who are going to um pull out the oh you know a mayor's job is unity and he shouldn't be talking away this way about his own citizens and they'll 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 come up with that but i think right. they were like those are people who are going to look for something to be angry about with regards to charlie clark anyways yeah. and the vast majority of people are going to be like meh yeah it's it's just a good thing that he said something and yeah <laughs> you know if we're not uh our authority figures, as much as I dislike having authority figures, are saying, okay, this is silly. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't know. Like, it, it is <laughs> – it, again, it is give your head a shake, right? And it's – Well, I'm yeah. angry about having to be in lockdown. Like, it sucks. I hate the fact that I can't go see my parents uh, for Christmas. I hate the fact that my kids don't get to see their grandparents for Christmas. I hate the fact that my kids are limited on the number of friends they can see and that they are missing out on more in-person school. Like all of these measures that we have to take to keep ourselves safe, we, we very likely wouldn't have had to do if assholes weren't intentionally putting themselves and others at risk. Um, yeah, it so. certainly, it certainly would help if, uh, less people were on the conspiracy nonsense train yeah. and, and would, you know, just follow simple guidelines like wearing a mask and social distancing it, like only go out when you absolutely have to stuff like that. And we'd have like an actual slowdown of our cases. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, it's. It's bizarre. This is um, diverting somewhat from Saskatchewan and going next door to Alberta, but it's it's a similar topic. Um, the 21-year-old Yahoo who was arrested at the skating rink when he was out skating with a group of 40 other people um, violating the city of Calgary right. health bylaws. Um, now all of a sudden – People are concerned about police overreach on the right. Rebel media is losing <laughs> yeah. their mind. How dare police point a taser at an innocent young child? Like 21-year-old, <laughs> 21-year-old hockey player refusing to wear a mask on a public skating rink with 40 oh, other people, <laughs> all of whom were men, uh, most of whom were men in their 20s, Talk is a, is a child that a taser was pointed at. I don't even know if the taser was pointed at. And one of the cops says, get on the ground before I taser you. Um, now, all of a sudden, these are, you know, we, we are worried about, you know, um, draconian police and police overreach. I'm like, and of course, they're also, they're also trying to pull the, um, oh, you know, of course, the left doesn't care about this guy. I'm like, no, no, 
Like Black Lives Matter <laughs> also is gets angry when police abuse their power with white people too. Like this, this is, isn't a this <laughs> this is part of defund the police. <laughs> this is the point. <laughs> yes. What are and, we doing? <laughs> yeah, and we've talked about this too. Like I, I have said, I'm I'm really apprehensive about the state stepping in, the government stepping in, and fining individuals um, yeah. for for this type of thing. Like. There's, there are other ways of, of doing this. And maybe they're like at a certain point, you do have to take steps. Um, yeah. I, I think businesses are a lot easier to target than individuals. Yes. Um, and, and I don't think people understand that there was a, I, this was a business in Saskatoon and I wish I had kept the, the story. And maybe it wasn't, I, I might be misremembering this, but their, their Facebook post was all about, we're going to ignore mask mandates. And you know, if the government's going to come in and make us wear masks, they better show up with guns to force us and blah, blah, blah. We'll show Nobody's them. Doing that. And I'm like, okay. but they don't need to, right? If it's a business, the government has the power to just take money. Like, I don't think people get like, if it's a business yeah. and, and for anyone other than, those who don't have capital, the state doesn't need to use violence to yeah. uh, to to uh, take redress. Like the government has the power um, to garnish people's bank accounts. They just go and oh, ten thousand ten thousand dollars is now no longer in your business account because the <laughs> state stepped in and said, you know, oh, broke the law here. You broke the law. It's a ten thousand dollar fine. <laughs> we don't have to show up at your store with guns. Yeah. We can submit the necessary paperwork, file the necessary claims in court, and now, boom, this money is missing from your your, your account because the money belongs to the government. The money we use isn't isn't ours. <laughs> like there's a there's a contract that goes back and forth, but ultimately the money that we use belong is property of the state. So as long as we're using that, they have a lot of power over us. Yeah. It's it's when people don't have money that uh, that things become trickier, and that is when typically violence ends up. Yeah, being what right. the state uses to to manipulate or control. So, which eh. I mean, we could get into it a little bit, <sighs> but it begs or it doesn't quote unquote it doesn't actually beg the question, but it brings up the the question of why the state is often so hesitant to use this very real power they have over businesses and instead prefer to have violence enacted on individuals. <laughs> <laughs> That's the line. The system isn't broken. It's acting exactly as it was intended to. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like there is something to be said for um, uh, like businesses generating um stuff i say i want to say wealth but like that becomes so um that becomes such a theoretical concept um businesses make things and they provide services like those two things like they add value to the world we live in um like that is that is functionally their purpose um that is essentially what making money means if you make money you are functionally adding yeah. value in one way or another because money is how we measure value. Um, right. And it measures what we value in a lot of cases. Um, so we want to, like, I, I get the idea that we want to be careful 
um, stepping in and stepping on the toes of uh, engines that create value. Um, but I sometimes think this is again, getting very like theoretical in the, <laughs> in the clouds. Um, I sometimes think we come up with these maxims that some very smart people who lived very long time ago, observed phenomenon existing in the world and came up with maxims to describe them. And they were true. Um, but they were true because of the true because of the scientific method, they came up with a hypothesis. Um, they ran tests. They observed. They tested their hypothesis against their observations, and then modified the hypothesis and, and repeat, you know, rinse and repeat. And they came up with things and things, and they came up with these th- theories about you know how market prices are derived and how um, competition uh, generates value and like. Um, competition within the free market increases efficiency and innovation. Like they come up with these observations from things they have, from, from legitimate real things they have seen. But then those become truisms that we latch onto rather than comprehending the fundamental underlying, fundamental underlying drivers that caused those to be true. So when there's a situational change and now there are things that come into play that cause the drivers and the underlying fundamentals to shift, um, we don't adapt. And we now have these uh, almost pseudo-religious maxims that, you know, Capitalism and democracy are inextricably intertwined or um, <laughs> competition is always going to be the best way of um, driving right. innovation. But losing track of what competition actually means and at what stage in the process there is actual competition and where there isn't. Um, and we mix things up. So we, we come up with this idea that competition – um, causes innovation and causes um, prices to be lowered. And the best way of creating competition within the market is by having free markets. Um, and the best way of having free markets is a capitalist system. Therefore, capitalism is the best way of driving innovation, <laughs> missing out on those intermediary steps. So when there are, again, it's that shift of paradigm where the capitalist system we have no longer really drives free markets and in right. fact it is there are there are things in place within the system we use that cause markets to be less free then just the opposite happens and we have 853 types of tomato sauce um on the shelf and that's what we consider innovation <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that's the, is, that's one of the classic examples. That's why we have Mailchimp. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's not really innovation, right? That, no. Like that's that's false innovation. Um. So so, anyways, yeah. That's and I think I think that's why we do it. To answer your question in a very long <laughs> roundabout way. <laughs> That's, I think that's part of the why is we get sort of stuck inside our own maxims where we go back to. We can't step on businesses' toes because we need them for such and such free market, such and such. 
Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, and again, uh, one of the other ones that's, um, I, I think that happens a lot is, um, there are certain, uh, this comes to white capital. I think the, the underlying, um, one of the underlying philosophies on why we tax capital gains at a lower taxation rate than earned income, which I'm, I, I think I talked about this weeks and weeks ago. And one of, I think yeah. in my mind, one of the most fundamental flaws in both the Canadian and the American taxation system. Um, but one of the reasons why, the reason why we tax capital gains at a lower rate than we tax um, earned income um, or like is there's risk associated with it. Right. Um, so if someone's taking a risk by opening a business, they could lose their money. So the money they earn, you know, is, is not had the potential to not exist at all. And moreover, they could lose their money as well. But then you start doing other things to protect investors and you start adding them up and, and, and a lot of them are good, right? We want to protect, um, like there are certain types of investment that we want to encourage and we want to support. Um, sure. and we want, we want people's retirements to be safe. Um, you know, if someone has a, you know, a pension plan and the pension plan is investing, we want protections in place so that someone who, you know, worked their entire life, assuming there would be a certain level of protection at the end, um, uh, you know, there are reasons we want to mitigate risk in a lot of circumstances. Um, but we start saying things, we start doing things like adding more and more and more and more incentives to risky investing behavior because we want, yeah. we, we, we want certain, certain behaviors that are risky. We want to see more of, um, because it is how wealth is generated, um, and value is generated in society. But after a certain point, there's so many of them there that the risk is gone. But we're yeah. still rewarding the behavior as if the risk was there. But we've put yeah. enough things in place that the risk isn't. Um, and that's when, again, we get <laughs> caught up in these. We get caught up in these first principles that um, are true on their surface, um, but at a certain point, um, stop being true in practice. Um, you know, when you have, um, when you have things like, Oh, you know, we want, you know, X, Y, Z happens. So the government will bail out this company. Well, if the government's going to bail them out, if they lose money, then there wasn't risk for them. Right. right? Yeah. And at that, at that point, you, you shouldn't tax it things at a lower rate, um, to encourage risky behavior. If the risk isn't borne by the person who's being taxed, the risk is being borne by the government. Yeah, if so, anything, you at least need to tax them on a level where you can fund that bailout when they need it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> like vaccines. Like um, vaccines. Because <laughs> we do that with vaccines. And this is one of those yeah. things I've been talking about recently. I can't remember if we touched on this last week. Um, this is, again, Canadian. Um, but Canada is um, implementing a uh, vaccine injury fund. And I think okay. the, 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 the mechanics of it, um, are, I think are still being discussed and looked at, but we're essentially going to have something similar to what the United States has. Um, and this is one of those, um, you know, checkmate atheists, but the <laughs> check, but not really. <laughs> check, checkmate, checkmate 
vaxxers i don't know um checkmate version of that, the anti-vax <laughs> version of checkmate atheist where they think they have this brilliant slam dunk argument and it's like no you just don't understand what's happening so this vaccine injury protection fund in the u.s and i don't know if that's actually the acronym but i think it's something similar to that um was created um a couple decades ago and is always used as um proof that vaccines are harmful because if you're injured from a vaccine, the drug companies aren't liable. Because what, what, what was happening, vaccines are, are garbage for profit. Like vaccines are not money makers for pharmaceutical companies. They are, they are, to some extent, they're effectively a loss leader. Um, they make some money off of, but very little, especially with the cost and, and the opportunity cost of the investment. It's just, they're, they're not money makers for the most part. Um, they, they, there's so many generics and, and it's a, for most of them are they're, they're you're one and done. So right. it's, and it, it's, it's way, it's a way better money maker for pharmaceutical companies to treat an illness than prevent it. And vaccines are prevention, right? So if you're, if you are a pair, like, again, I can't, I'm not a, microbiologist or an epidemiologist. I can't say that word. Epidemiologist. Epidemiologist. I'm not one of them, but I do understand money and how money works. Right. If you are a conspiracy theorist who thinks pharmaceutical companies are the greatest evil on the planet, you should be the most pro-vaxxer person there is because that's not where the money is. They make If they are evil, if they are pure profit-driven evil, they make way more money off of you not getting vaccinated, you not having the disease prevented, and them selling you treatments for the vaccine rather than preventing it in the first place. That's, or treatments, uh, treatments for the, the disease rather right. than vaccinating in the first place. That's actually the exact argument they use when they talk about how Big Pharma is keeping the cancer cure a secret. Yes. Well, and like, we, we have cured, like, we have cured certain <laughs> forms of cancer. It's called the yep. HPV vaccine. We've, we, yes. we've, we have a vaccine <laughs> against cancer, which they don't want to take. So, but the, this, yep. um, vaccine, uh, vaccine injury prevention fund, essentially, uh, what was happening is pharmaceutical companies just said, fuck it. We're not going to make vaccines anymore. Um, all these people are starting to sue us. It's not worth it. There's no injuries being caused. Um, but, we spend millions fighting the, these battles in court. We win the case, but we still have to pay for the money because as far as recouping costs, you can't recoup the cost from someone who doesn't have money. Oh, um, right. And the vac- the, they were just saying, meh, not worth it. And so what the government had to eventually do is step in and say, all right, what we're going to do is any, any possible side effect from a vaccine. And I'll touch base on what's considered a possible side effect. <laughs> any possible side effect from a vaccine – um, we are going to create a fund that compensates people if they suffer from it after getting vaccinated. So every single vaccine sold in the United States, there's a 75% tax that the pharmaceutical company pays uh, or the consumer pays. Like it's, you know, it's a tax. So six and one half dozen the other who's actually paying that. Um, yeah. it, technically, it's the the pharmaceutical company who's paying the tax it's a it's a hidden tax rather than above the board tax like a like you know gst or sales tax or luxury tax or stuff like that but it's right. it's for every single vaccine a pharmaceutical company sells they have to contribute 75 cents into this fund and once this fund was created um the way it works is if someone 
gets someone who's been vaccinated and gets a side effect, gets some condition that is listed as a side effect on any vaccine they have taken, they submit a request to this fund and they get a payout. Um, because it's like, like so many things, it's cheaper to do that than to fight it. Um, right. and we talk about this on the welfare side all the time and right wingers hate it when on that, right? It's cheaper to, it's cheaper to not look for fraud <laughs> than it is right. to, to find it and get rid of it because it's so little. And it's for this, it's, it's cheaper just to pay this money. And again, this is the United States where they don't have universal health care. To some extent, it's cheaper to fund a dis, like, it's cheaper to help someone with a disability through this fund, whether the disability was actually caused by the vaccine or not. So right. even if someone contracts a condition that has absolutely nothing to do with the vaccine, but is listed as a vaccine side effect, they don't have to prove it came from the vaccine. They submit their request. They get the money. They now have what is effectively a disability payment for, um, from this fund and can go about their life. Right. Um, and, and so it's not what the anti-vaxxer says it is. This isn't, oh, see, the, these pharmaceutical companies don't have to, you know, these pharmaceutical companies don't have to worry about, um, uh, you know, causing injury. The government just pays for it if someone gets hurt. No. Like, yes, yes, <laughs> the government does pay for it, but that money is coming from somewhere and it's not right. from general revenue. Um, and a side effect has to be listed if any, like, if a person during the trial has that thing happen, whether it was yeah. caused by the, the drug or not. Um, and you're seeing that with, um, some of this COVID vaccine as well. There are certain things that are being listed as possible side effects, yeah. um, that the incidence rate, um, the incidence rate of these side effects occurring during the clinical trial is on par with the incidence rate in the general population. So, <laughs> so you know, one out of every 200,000 people has this happen in the general population. One yeah. out of every 200,000 people is happening at, during this clinical vac clinical trial. It's very likely that it's unrelated to the vaccine, but because it happened to a person who was in the clinical trial, it has to be listed, which now means anyone who has that condition going forward, if they've been vaccinated, they can apply to this vaccine injury protection fund and withdraw funds. Right. So Canada is going to implement something similar. Now, again, we do have universal health care, so there, it, it doesn't sort of serve as that sort of same fake emergency healthcare thingy right, that it does in the US. Setup, but. but it's still functionally going to be the same. It, 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 we're going to make it so that, you know, if someone ends up with a disability and it's ever been listed as a side effect, they're going to get covered. They're going to get compensation. And you know what? I It's the same thing for welfare. I think it's to some extent, <laughs> unlike welfare, I do think it's bullshit. It's, you know, this isn't related to the vaccine and it just right. validates the idea. This validates this idea that vaccine injuries are a thing or a more common thing than they are. Um, but at the same time, you know what? If, <laughs> if someone, if someone ends up contracting, I don't, I don't I make something up that isn't a, uh, an actual side effect. But, you know, if someone ends up, contracting um spaghetti elbow um and, and <laughs> sure. they lose they lose they lose use of their left arm for the rest of their life because they've contracted this disease and that they probably would have contracted it anyways it had nothing to do with the vaccine they're blaming it on the vaccine they think they have a vaccine injury 
you know what? I'd still rather them get compensation. I'd yeah. rather that one, you know, that, that person gets some money that again, essentially the pharmaceutical companies are paying for, not, not, not general revenue. Yeah. Um, it makes vaccines more expensive in the long run, but m- marginally in the AOS, it makes each vaccine 75 cents more expensive. Meh. Um, big deal. And it's the same sort of thing with, you know, if, if the government is paying an extra dollar per COVID vaccine for each vaccine, um, to in order to create a fund where if something comes up that some, some person who, you know, has a condition that impacts their life gets money. So be it. That was a long, that was another <laughs> one of my, my long rambling thoughts that sort of oh, weaves through things. But I think, I think that one is an important one to understand because so much misinformation comes out on this and the money stuff I can explain. <laughs> like, the money stuff I know I, I have, a, um, this is, I will make a, a plug for, um, someone else here. There is a, a professor in Saskatoon, um, Kyle Anderson. Um, I've known him for a number of years, unrelated to COVID, obviously, because I've known him for a number of years. Um, not super well, but we're friends on Facebook. We've met a few times. We've, we've chatted a bit. Um, he is freaking brilliant and has been posting so much good content. He has mastered, he's mastered the fine art of being patient and understanding and engaging with people who ask good faith questions and smacking down <laughs> with, uh, uh, with, without mercy, um, people who are very obviously engaging in bad faith it, and it's fun to watch. So if anyone gets a chance to read or watch anything by Kyle Anderson about COVID, he's probably in for my money. Um, I don't know if he's the best expert guy and he may be for that matter, but he's, <laughs> he's definitely the best at explaining um, things when it comes to the science of COVID and the, um, okay. you know, again, he's, he's a PhD in microbiology and this is his field. Like this is, this is one of those, like, this is his moment to be the this expert. Is, yeah. Um, nice. So I get to, I get to watch him and like, I, I can't do that. I wouldn't try to do that. I can read what he's written and other experts have written. I don't do the research. I'm looking at other people's research. Um, but, the things like the vaccine injury protection fund that I'm like, no, no, I can explain the economics of that. <laughs> right. That's a thing that, that, yeah. that, I, that I can give a, give a breakdown for. So I want to do that. Nice. Anyways, that's, that's that one. Um, I don't know if we want to continue on with more, more COVID talk. Um, no, I think, I think, I think, we're I think we've, 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 <laughs> we've completed our, well, I guess we, we, this is tangential. Um, I haven't seen it yet, so you're going to be able to do more talking than me on this. Uh, Scott Moe's Christmas message came out a yeah. few days ago, about four days ago, um, and you had some thoughts about it. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, as far as Christmas messages from a Saskatchewan premier, I was actually not too uh, offended by it. <laughs> I didn't get the impression that he was preaching or saying like, you know, Christmas, it's all about my version of Christianity and I like mine best and you suck. <laughs> so good. That's hat a tip to Wall, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's an improvement. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, he said like, yeah, we, this sucks, but we all have to stay indoors, have just our household at Christmas and, uh, this and that and the other thing about, uh, 
about that basically the whole thing was kind of just a message to be responsible during uh the christmas season so i don't know how much there's not much there <laughs> i guess because it was actually decent there's not a lot of news from it <laughs> touche yeah. <laughs> so yeah that's sort of our, our theme for scott mo this week you did you did the bare minimum but you good did. job because the bare minimum hasn't been done recently <laughs> yeah so. you didn't suck <laughs> all right um and that he was joking when he said the cold weather would stop covid yes so i Maybe I not a good really, thing to be joking about. Yeah, I didn't hop onto that. <laughs> I saw, <laughs> I, saw <laughs> I was like, I saw that a few times and I'm like, okay, well. <laughs> this is one of those ones that falls into the category of their excuse is worse than the problem. <laughs> yeah, right? Like this, this, this happened with Trump all the time where if you actually listen to the excuse he's making, I'm like, no, no, if your excuse was true, that would be worse. Yeah. <laughs> like that means, like, that means, like, um, but same with this, like, if it was you were wrong, if, you know what? That's, that's a thing that some people could be wrong about, you know, thinking, yeah. you know what? I was, I would, cold viruses can't survive in the cold. This is what I thought after someone, you know, after I talked to a scientist, went, oh yeah, it lives inside your body and we're warm blooded creatures. We maintain a consistent temperature even when it's cold outside. Literally def- definition of mammals. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Hadn't thought of that. You know what? Bonehead moment, sure, fine, whatever. But like, no, no, I was making a joke about this thing that has killed 300,000 people. <laughs> I mean, sorry, that's the US <laughs> number. I was yeah. making a joke about the death of millions. Not a thing to joke about. I guess yeah. I'm laughing right now while I say that. But Yeah, I think there's a <sighs> the, difference between the, I'm making a joke and also yeah. I'm nervously laughing about how silly it is, how bad it is to make a joke, right? <laughs> yeah, well, and it's... <laughs> Someone talked about like it. It's um, gallows humor is only funny if you're on the gallows. Um, if you're the one on yeah, the gallows, right? That's right. Um, you know, dark humor is a thing, um, and and I'll be the last one to begrudge someone their dark humor. But it's the laughing at a situation, and yeah, it it, it gets it gets fuzzy there. But yeah, um, we. Um, we have a Regina City Council that um, told uh, the <laughs> the, yeah, uh, the, the company that wants to buy Capital Point um, to go screw themselves. Um, <laughs> yeah. We already established swearing is fine to go fuck themselves. Yeah, um, yeah they essentially no, you just need said, to pay your taxes. So. Yep, pay the taxes. We aren't we aren't uh, letting you slide on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all it was, except it was, for. Uh, my city councilor. The- <laughs> yeah. So it reminds me, and, and good they said no this time. It reminds me of um, when there was the issue with the um, recycling in the city, where the city of Regina hired a company to um, manage its recycling program. And you know how much how how fond I am of. P3 programs, you know, government doesn't want to just run it themselves. So they hire a private company to make a profit off of providing um, a, a public service. Of course. Um, and it was discovered that this recycling company 
wasn't actually recycling things. They would collect up all the recycling. They would throw it. They would take out anything they could make money off of and then throw the rest in the public like in the trash um, and it would just go to city landfill <laughs> anyways, right? And so the city was paying money to divert stuff from the landfill that just ended up back in the landfill anyways, but nice. just this company made a profit off of it. And the city didn't do anything about it. The city, even after discovering this company was doing this, didn't sue or recuperate costs. And their answer was, we don't want to damage the relationship. Um mm. With this company. And I'm with like, this crooked ass company. That's right? <laughs> like, I know I got swindled by this con artist, but I don't want to say anything bad about the con artist because it might damage my ability to continue doing business with him. Yeah. Uh, so Why again, are you this still is doing with a business with the con artist. <laughs> like, yeah. Cut it out. <laughs> and it, 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 this time they said, no, we're, we're not going to, you know, this company owes the city. And it goes yeah. back to the thing about, why are, why are, um, government so loath to do this? It's like, no, you owe nearly 700,000 in back taxes to the city. Yeah. You actually have to pay it. Yeah. Uh, we're not just going to forgive the taxes in exchange for you buying <laughs> property from us. Like it, it, pay the taxes and lower the price if the price really should be lowered. Like there, there's things that can be done there, but at the end of the day, you you need yeah. to you need to pay your taxes, um, so yeah. And, it's, and this actually isn't owned by the city. It, it's a it's a private deal. So the city is going to foreclose and take the land. Um, yeah. And I, I guess I think the the idea yeah. behind forgiving the seven hundred thousand and maybe this is where your counselor is coming from is the value of the land is less than like I, I, there, there, there's probably some math in there somewhere that the city doesn't gain enough value from the land for it to be worth it. Um, I, I know but, uh, like his actual quote was that he doesn't something about, he doesn't want it to be in the city's inventory. Yep. So, yep. And there's something to be said for that. Um, like cities, like if this is money that like if this, the, if the land is foreclosed on, Yes, the the city gets an asset, but it's an asset that is is not liquid. Um, you're you're maintaining it there. Um, I don't know. I think it's. I think that that land becomes valuable over time, regardless. Like yeah. d downtown property in a well managed city rarely loses value. In poorly managed yeah. cities, it does. Downtowns tend to, uh, you know, ebb and flow in value. But in a well managed city. Downtown property rises in value, and, and I suspect that chunk of dirt is going to rise in value over time. It's just yeah. a matter of is your rate of return on it worth the the opportunity cost? So right, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Anyways, I think it was the right decision by the city. Good on them. Um, you know, this mayor. You know. The city's still hoping to collect the money it spent to fill the hole in the back taxes, but <laughs> yep. um, that's not going to happen until the property sells. And and if maybe, it doesn't sell, I think if it doesn't sell, the city forecloses, um, and then the city gets to sell it at some point, um, or not. And the city gets you know gets to decide what they do with it. And maybe maybe we do find a public use for it that's of greater value than what the city can sell it for. So Could be. we'll yeah. see. Time will tell. Yep. Um, anything, any other big stories? Uh, nothing big. Uh, I just wanted to kind of touch on this, uh, 
thing that I saw on the the Regina Reddit mm. uh, sub. Uh, they posted this link for the various rental prices in Regina, and I looked it up for Saskatoon as well because we're not just a Regina show. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it looks like uh, uh, various places have gone down in uh, rental price in uh, Regina over the last month or year. I'm not sure what it says versus last period. So whatever that would have been, but uh, yeah. So a, a three bedroom townhouse in Regina is averaging $1,400 a month. So <laughs> yeah. Like that, like uh, I'll, uh, I'll keep the, I'll, I will put the links to this in the show notes. Uh, so if people are interested, like this, I thought was interesting. Yeah, no, it, it's interesting to see, to see some of those numbers. Some of them, um, look, some of them look like a typo. So either there's some extreme drops or there's a typo. They have, um, a four bedroom condo has dropped in price by 122%. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Like, like I this have so- to assume <laughs> that's a typo somewhere in there. Um, well, I wonder if, because there's, it's, it's got total units on the side, right? So yeah. I wonder if that's how many are available currently. So there, if last month, say there was four and they yeah. were going for, you know, $3,000, <laughs> you know, a month or whatever. And then this, yeah. this one sucks and goes for 1300 Yeah. You know, I don't know. Changes things. I'm, I'm yeah, just no, it's, you know, prices going down is... Is good thing if rental prices are dropping. Uh, it's not for people who own the property and are renting it out. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but for for those of us who are renters, this is, I mean, maybe a good thing. Yeah. So, not that I'm other, anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the uh, the stories, and again, this is a national story. Um. I I don't even know where to begin <laughs> on Aaron O'Toole and the residential schools. There's something wrong with him, right? <laughs> like, like he's he's he doesn't know anything, or yeah. he's you know, or he's just I don't know, just a his, historical denialist. Like I don't understand. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't even know where to, where to begin on this. Um, I like some, some of his points that I can see, I say value in, um, he talks about how the residential schools were closed by Mulroney and the official apology came from Harper. Right. And it is not – this is not um, – and he refers to it as the conservatives having a better record than the liberals. And I think – I view it as less the liberals' hands aren't clean as opposed to the conservative. Like, <laughs> I get technically, you know, worse is always going to be the opposite of better. But um, his just absolute um, ignorance is staggering. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, I recommend- and, and com- yeah. 
I recommend people read this press progress article. Um, he's just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what, what to say about it. Yeah. And it, again, it, it, it's one of those, it's another one of those things where you have a conservative leader, um, come out and say something incredibly ignorant and horrific talking about, um, again, there's, there's a number of things and I agree. People should read the article itself or, or watch, um, and actually hear right, his yeah. words because the video is available too and hear it in his own words rather than our, our description of it. And, you know, you get the context and honestly, I'd say the context makes it worse. Um, <laughs> yeah. but talking yeah. about how the, the architects of the residential school program only meant to provide education. Um, and it was a positive intent and blah, 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 blah. Um, but then a day later or a couple days later, or I'm sorry, not a day later, a day after he was caught, because this video was <laughs> not intended for public consumption. It was right. uh, to conservative uh, university students. Like it was the Conservative Students Association or something like that. They come out and his not him, but his spokespeople are saying, you know, O'Toole is a champion of reconciliation and he takes the horrific history of residential schools very seriously. And um, and And eventually he does come out and basically completely and totally say the opposite of what he originally said. Uh, he comes out and <laughs> yeah. says, I said the residential school system was intended to try and provide education. It was not. The system was intended to remove children uh, from the influence of their homes, families, traditions, and culture. So, like, he made that in a statement to a friendly newspaper. Right. Yes. Um, or no, I guess not. It was the Toronto Star. Never mind. That, that's, that's, it is a more left-leaning paper, but, um, depends who you ask. <laughs> yeah. It's fair. Um, but yeah. Um, it's not the Globe and Mail or the Toronto Sun. Right. Um, but it's yeah. just like, where are you telling the truth? Are you telling the truth to a group of supporters in a private room where you don't think you're being recorded or in a canned public statement made after you got caught and there were calls for your resignation? Um, isn't there isn't there some axiom about uh, your true self is the one that you – keep hidden you know <laughs> on some level like could very well be uh. <laughs> like it seems very likely to me that he is perpetuating this uh uh propaganda really about yeah. the uh the residential schools and he believes this propaganda about the residential schools yeah and, and that they were a force for good and that that it's the colonial mindset that Indigenous people were worse off before we came and we fixed them, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's very much – it's very much – he probably views education and uh, this idea that we eliminate the Indigenous people's culture at the, as the same thing. Yeah. So – Very likely, yeah. That it was – again, it was a force for good education. Yeah. So – Here's the thing that lets me know when a conservative politician hasn't actually read the Truth and Reconciliation Report. Because um, I have. It's long. It's in, between 300, around 350 pages, give or take. Um, it's less than 400, but 
more definitely more than 300. I think it's 376 or 356 or something like that. Um, it's that said, it's an incredibly from a technical set, like it's it's easy reading as in they made sure when writing it that it was written in very, very common everyday language. It is not, it is not, you don't need a university degree to understand the, the, the writing in the truth and reconciliation report. I, I think it is incredibly accessible while not being easy to read because it is incredibly painful. I, um, I, I had it on a, in a PDF and was reading it, um, at work over the course of a couple of weeks, um, in during, during breaks at work. And I had to stop and to read it at home instead, just because it was, it was putting me in a headspace that was incapable right. of doing my job. No good, no good um, at work. But yeah, the, not, not worked, not workplace reading material. Um, but I can always tell conservatives haven't read it. Because they always say, well, like one of the things that comes up in the the when there was the issue with um, uh, the senator um, B Belak, um, I think I'm guessing getting her name wrong, and I <laughs> I, I don't I hate, I hate the idea of apologizing to someone if I, <laughs> if I am getting someone's name wrong, it's inappropriate of me. Um, they come up with this thing about, oh well, we don't talk about the good that happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Truth and Reconciliation Report does. It, it literally <laughs> does. They literally got testimony from Indigenous folks who talked about how in their isolated individual case, there were positives that came out. And then the, the report does take pains to talk about how and, – and, and the people who say this themselves recognize that doesn't outweigh – the good they were like if you kidnap someone from a a negative situation and again negative in isolation in speaking of an individual not from a community as a whole not from a culture as a whole but an individual circumstance that was not positive for an individual that individual can speak to it that doesn't make what happens as a whole a positive experience, right. but like it's, it's addressed. Those things are talked about and it is, it is explained in the context of that and it explained it, it addresses um, this, this, I like it does address that in a lot of cases, um, kids who were kidnapped um, were kidnapped from very, um, difficult situation because we've been it's this isn't the only tool by which um indigenous people have been um had genocide inflicted upon them so it's not as if this isn't looked at and part of the reconciliation process that the the environment that they were um leaving was utopian especially in the later years, because as time continued on and on and on, in a lot of ways, the situations that were being left behind got worse and worse and worse because we, you know, we as a country imposed worse and worse conditions upon reservations. Mm-hmm. Um, so this idea that, oh, well, we only talk about the negative is in and of itself garbage because um, we're all like – in many people's minds, we're already talking about the positive more than we should. Um, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and 
it's one of those ones where it's not my job to talk about whether we're talking about it too much because when the positive is being discussed, it's being discussed by indigenous voices. And that's like they, those voices <laughs> are the ones who decide what gets talked about, not, not yeah. mine. Um, but this idea that people like O'Toole and the conservative senator, um, bring up that we don't, we don't look at the positive enough is, is ignorant in the truest sense of the word, not just ignorant of the realities of the world we live in such that no, we don't need to be talking about the positive more, but also ignorant of what actually is involved in this discussion because it is being talked about in the discussion. So, yeah, sorry, that's no, that's yeah. right. <laughs> we're sticking to their, their uh, narrative very much and, and not actually participating in the discussions that are going on. So yeah, like you say, they have no idea what's actually being said. Okay, so that's going right. to be it for the night. Perfect. <laughs> right. That's a dark note to end on, but I guess I can. I will. Um, I will a lighter a lighter note to end on. It's the seven bridges of Konigsberg. There you go. Not Leipzig. <laughs> different different European city. Seven bridges of Konigsberg was my metaphor that I okay. made an hour ago <laughs> at the start. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, before, before we actually close out the show, I do want to say, uh, thank you on Twitter to, uh, at Novembromancer and at, uh, true, uh, what is it? At Homefire SK. Uh, that's, uh, Haley and True North Radio. They shared our last episode out and they, uh, said nice things about it so <laughs> thank you very much hooray well, thank you my friend my thanks as well and uh for if you want to listen to this episode and our previous episodes you can do that at anchor.fm slash from many peoples you can follow us on twitter at skpoliticspod you can follow us on facebook at facebook.com slash from many people's strength pod and if you want to email us tell us we're wrong about something or praise us in some way <laughs> uh, from many peoples at gmail.com. I shouldn't have corrected, given the correct city name. Someone would have emailed in and said, <laughs> it's actually Konigsberg, not Leipzig. Damn it. I, you got to make a mistake in a future episode on purpose to see if someone catches it and emails us. Yeah, that's right. So, well, thanks again, Corey. It's been, uh, it's always fun having these chats with you. And, um, you know, if people get to enjoy listening to them as well, so much the better. But yeah. I, uh, I, once again, appreciate everything you do to make things happen on a technical standpoint and um, making all of this work for, for everyone and for me. Yeah, for sure. Right. Have yourself a good night. Yes, and Merry Christmas to you and yours, since I probably won't have a chance to speak to you between now and oh, yeah, after, yeah. Merry after, Christmas. after Christmas. So. Yeah, that's right. All right, take care. <laughs> that's that's this week. <laughs> that is. <laughs> Damn it. There's there's no holiday shopping. I don't I'm not <laughs> I'm not going out anywhere. Yeah, so. that's right. All right. Have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye.